how do we start this thing? I don't know. How do you think we should do it? This is going to require some thought. Everyone and welcome to the Hoovy Interview. I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. I'm Jeremy. Uh, Colin is here. <laughs> and today we're going full circle. Apparently, we're trying to. <laughs> no, full circle, which is the third story from season 18. Classic. Yeah, yeah. We've got e space, the uh, yeah. negative coordinates of space. And the one way what? they deter- they show that they're in e space is to make. Make eSpace slightly greener than actual space. They just put so, a little green yeah, filter on the here. outer I mean, space. It, it's, it's the greener space. I mean, if sense, <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, that like one dimension makes probably a lot more sense to like be like a parallel kind of universe or dimension kind of conception more than you know most things are portrayed. Like everything is the same. It's just like a little few different. <laughs> I guess so. That's that's something that hasn't quite been uh, determined as to what exactly eSpace is. It seems to be like an inverse of the actual universe. So everything's a little bit op- opposite. Even though they went to the Gallifreyan coordinates, it actually happens to be the Alzarian coordinates uh-huh. in this like other world. Is it day every day there? Oh, well, yes. compared to our universe, yes, I would imagine. But people aren't walking backwards and things like that. No, so. I don't. I don't think it's meant to be opposite. I think it's just more space, but in you but know, inverse. But yeah. in the inverse e to our universe. Yeah, but in the e direction, exactly. <laughs> to e power. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder where they came up with the idea of e space. I don't know if they were thinking e equals mc squared. There were, there were, um... Is it, this said is the late, this is the late oh, 70s exosphere. or early 80s at this point. This is 1980. So, it's, yeah. So, maybe at this point, the drugs weren't as good anymore? <laughs> well, also, couldn't you tell by the music? Oh, goodness. <laughs> the music is so 80s at this point. Uh, uh, I don't know if you're giving my man, uh... Patty Kingsman credit here. Like, <laughs> Patty Kingsman, I think, is just like an epic, uh, you know, uh, sound composer of the 80s at the BBC. A real he, presence. Well, he did decently. I mean, <laughs> I mean, let's put it this way. It is very unique and it has very unique sounds. And, and that's definitely something season 18 started. Is that? And to be fair, though, this is far better than some of the music that comes later. So, <laughs> and some yeah. of the music that comes before. I mean, a lot of the music that comes before. The music was was fine, and the set design. I think the set worked. was really the cool. The sets were really cool. Yeah, especially the outdoor scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, the thing is, is that 
I always felt like this story had a very different feel to it. The, because of the music, because of the set design, and because of the outdoor sequences. And the costumes. It paired well. I, I wouldn't say, you know, uh, Patty, you knocked it way out of the park, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. composing, but I think it really did suit, you know, the, the vibe and, you know, the scenery as mm-hmm. it was. Well, what's nice is that he actually gave Adric a real theme. So we, we start seeing the evolution of music in Doctor Who at this point because before we didn't really have too many actual themes that could be recognizable for like different companions or different characters where other than the Doctor Who theme itself which is obviously yeah, universally recognized but the but in this case Adric gets a theme that actually will continue throughout the series spoiler um, well no i mean obviously there's going to be more Adric so I think it's kind of important to note that Adric's music, musical cues, are actually noticed further on. So I, that's something that really hadn't happened yet in Doctor Who world. And so I think that's one, th- except for the Master, I guess there, he did have his theme to some degree. But I really, I really commend musicians uh, when they take a television series or they take a movie series and they actually repeat certain just a small smidgen even of a the- of a sequence of music because that gives you that cue oh it's them mm-hmm. like for Amy um, Amy yeah. Pond had her own theme Rose Tyler had her own theme you knew when they were to go, when they were showing back up again because and, and then with, on top of that you can add in like how fast it's going and change the tempo to that mm-hmm. as well so you, you keep it you know right in the theme but you but can convey more of a message, you know, too. Not only that, but you can even scare people because just a few notes of the Cyberman theme from, like, the current series is just, like, that will inspire fear or inspire the, oh, my God, it's a Cyberman. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just it's just little nods to those kind of musical geniuses that, that that's kind of important, I think. Okay, yeah, I, 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 don't, don't, I don't usually notice and think about it. I made a point to do it. Like, I really wanted to this episode. I wanted to kind of, like, see the, the lens of Doctor Who through an audio file, which mm-hmm. I don't think I've, I've done, you know, well or, or before. I think usually it just kind of washes over me and mm-hmm. probably some valuable contributions that I get a feeling of, but mm-hmm. I don't really think about mm-hmm. how it's done. And I, I thought it was well done in this episode. Um, I had to give him credit for it. I mean, it... It's not going to be any music you're going to hear on the radio, but I think it paired well with the story, the scenes, the pacing. I would say that the music, at least whenever, like, the mist was around, I felt was, like, spot on. Like, it felt like... If if mist were to have a a jazz recital, this would be it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Well, it did give it a little bit of air of mystery, even though it was 1980s electronic. mystery. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I I got that. Yeah, a lot of intrigue. All right, on a little bit of a less serious note, I would like to point out that at one point there were just these guys that were basically naked and swimming and like soaking wet in like translucent little cloths. Thank John Nathan Turner for that. Yeah. I I, I, I was going to say. I did not expect in Doctor Who I would see butt cheeks. Yeah, that, that was that. Yeah, that was a lot and like totally gratuitous. It, <laughs> it was really cheeky. Man, different time. <laughs> it was really, really cheeky. Well, once, once I saw, I was like, I was like, I was wondering, are they naked underneath there? And then they came out like, just barely no, <laughs> just barely no. I mean, it doesn't leave much to the imagination. Let's put it that way. <laughs> not much at all. <laughs> Was a realistic, you know, kind of a 
a, a presentation. To, yeah, realistic type of clothing and yes. stuff. <laughs> but I mean, okay, let's talk like about the realism of the episode plot on this. <laughs> Did you, do you want to start us off, Jeremy? <laughs> oh, okay. What was the kid's name again? I'm sorry. Adric. 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 So Adric was the gold. What was it like? The gold star. Math. I, math. Math. Like. He's like, I'm so smart. And, you know, generally when you see this one kid who's, like, supposed to be the smart, good kid and everything else, you kind of expect there might be a smart, good kid or something and just get picked on or something like that. Like, you know what? I don't know how he got that star. I don't know how it's he... It's East Space, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the smart ones are... Ah, the op- it's opposite day. No, no, I think it's just that he's really good at math and maybe not as good at other things. Common so, sense. So he's yes. like, he's so not- he's really proud of his math part. Yeah, he's been holed up in this ship for so long, he's not going to be blessed with all the knowledge that his brother and all the other outlaws came I'm up sorry. with. Every, every time he turned, he made another thing wrong. Although he did point out to Romano that all she had to do is open up the TARDIS doors and look outside. I'm going to remind you one little moment. So I guess I think there was this one point when they when he was with his friends, uh, bullies, and they were like, he was talking to them about the Doctor, and then they get the idea. Well, we want to go see this blue box. I don't know what you're talking about, blue box. What do you mean? Like, I don't know how to get there, but here's this here's this device you gave us that literally says how to get there. Yeah, but, 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 that, but that was just like, that he, was, he was just really bad at lying. I mean, Adric tells no lies. <laughs> I am sorry. It just hurt. Like, it was it was pretty painful there in that dimension. Um, yeah, I feel like there was, there was a lack of chemistry there on top of the more recent well, lack of chemistry. There's a lot. There's no chemistry. Doctor, yeah. I think the only time I saw the doctor actually look at Romana. Is when her eyes were closed. Were closed. And she cannot look back at him. Actually, he did look at directly at her um, in the very final sequence. Oh, so we have a count of one. I think there were a few other times where he was looking at her. But yeah, at this point, the like we said before, the relationship had started to sour and... Uh, although it's going to, I think, improve a little bit in the next story, but uh, we'll see. So what I'm trying to get at with the Dr. Romana out of the story-like issues is that the writers are trying to compensate for that or trying to give them space, and it's not helping. At least not right now. I don't think the writers actually gave it. I think that's directors. I think that's directors. I think that's people taking the script and making it a little bit easier for them to not have to look at each other. And it also, to in some ways, during the 80s, and if you didn't even know about their relationship, it gives the Doctor a little bit more of um, an aloof kind of absent-mindedness. I think now we're in year seven of Tom Baker. He's older, obviously. So he's been around the bend a little bit. So I think that it kind of plays along with that mm-hmm. to some degree. Yeah, I so, think if it, if it was like that from the beginning, no one would, you know, have a second thought. I think it just, like, is a, is a drastic kind of change in chemistry and interaction. Yeah, from um, the previous season especially. Um, or, for that matter, if you take Tom Baker and Liz Slayton, who played Sarah Jane, or Tom Baker and 
uh, even the first Romana, they actually looked directly at each other. They came close to almost kissing half the time um, just because of how close they get. And I think it's just that if you have two people that are infatuated with each other and then they hate each other's guts because of whatever argument they had that day, the last thing you want to do is have to put them in front of a camera to act like they like each other. <laughs> it's unfortunate, too. It is, it is. But, but also, I wouldn't reduce, you know, the chemistry, though, to them just, like, liking each other. I think even, like, tense moments, you know, they're just not compatible on the same wavelength. You know, I, I don't think they could adequately direct hate at each other. Mm-hmm. No, and, and the other problem is, I mean, it doesn't seem like the Doctor cares as much for Romana because he's, I mean, yeah, he tries to t- help her out when she she's bitten by the spider, but it's like he just kind of puts her in a... In, in bed and just give, uh, applies the, the the solution that he creates and, and he doesn't really pay attention to her he doesn't show any emotion or show any like oh my gosh you're I, I hope you're okay Ramana or take care he does give her a pat on the shoulder but it's so like I don't know it's just like let, let me just impersonal come, yeah very impersonal very like uh, I like good boy almost like almost like it's a like she's a dog or something i don't know it just was weird mm-hmm. speaking of dogs canine <laughs> got his um, head knocked uh, off decapitation that was the most traumatizing moment in a doctor who episode i've ever gone through yeah i mean first you slap him with a ravine you know, with water flowing through it, and then that, I mean, he actually, on. he actually, I was worried. That he, he has the opposite of plot armor here. <laughs> I mean, there was the one scene where he was getting ready to walk into the, the water. He's like, you know what? I've done this before. I'm going to go around. I'm like, good, can I even groan? You're not going to die this episode. Yeah, and then the, when the doctor used, like, his decapitated head as a mask, who else found that kind of creepy? I was so... <laughs> Aggravated at like that. whose idea was that? <laughs> like to put that in the like, plot? These like. are the things that are like. Am I a monster that I thought was kind of fun? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the problem with canine is that for the terrain, I think this story was the one that actually put the nail in canine's coffin because for the terrain that he was on, they actually had to tie a string to the bottom of his base and pull him through that jungle. Well, that makes sense. There because was no that, way. Yeah. There's no way that they could have operated him electronically. And because of that, they're, they're pulling this very heavy unit or, in some cases, a very light unit. But if it's the lighter unit, then it's obvious that it's being pulled. So they need to have that heavier unit. And that gets really... That gets really difficult. There's a lot of issues with canine in this particular story, which is probably why they came up with the idea of knocking his head off and making it so that he doesn't have to travel around so much. But um, it's yet another, like, sidelining canine moment. And at this point, I think the operators and the directors and the production team were all like, okay, yeah, we've had enough of this stupid little robot dog even though the general audience, especially the kids, absolutely loved K-9. I want to um, see what the children's reaction were when K-9 was decapitated. Like, that could yeah, not... Let's show that live violence. stream. I mean, if, if YouTube was a thing back in 1980, oh. <laughs> the, the fan reaction, the horror... Oh, there would be tears... 
nightmares. Nightmares. Just, nightmares. So, just so everybody knows, we don't need the children's reactions. We only needed to watch Jeremy because watching Jeremy was entertaining enough. <laughs> I have a heart for canine, okay? You, yeah. I mean, I mean, first. Oh, I do. I just, I've seen this story about 10 times, so I already knew what to expect. Oh, so you like watching him be decapitated. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? No. He's, he's desensitized to it. Just, yes, he's, thank you. I'm desensitized. I don't know what the, the, the term is for opposite plot armor, but my man, you know, he, he runs into an ocean in, in seconds, you know, right before this episode. He's finally back on the scene. You know, you, you throw him in a ravine. He, he makes it out, but just to be Wait, decapitated? And he's even telling what? the Marshman that he's o- that everything should be okay. What? And, and it's like, oh, jeez. Oh, oh, let me talk about the Marshman now for a second here. About these non-violent, like, when conveniently not violent and very friendly to the Doctor at one point, but that every other turn are just... As violent as can be. Well, they established that the one with the doctor was was still a kid. Yeah. Right. Uh, but actually, I liked the concept with the, of the marshman being the same as the mm-hmm. the people, where you know oh, you're sitting there me and too. like me you know that they're they're there. And they think they're aliens because they've read up all, all this stuff and they've devised this story. But it turns out they've just evolved and like divergently from this other you know group and. It's been so long that they they think that they have conflict when there was really no real conflict there. Don't forget the spiders. Oh yeah, the spiders too. Yeah, they're they're all the same. Yeah, all of them. Actually, the spiders were somewhat effective, especially when they jumped out of the fruit and onto Romana. Oh goodness, no! That was. I mean, I'm not saying that they're the greatest prop in the no, world. That, the prop was awesome. The Turns prop was me awesome. Off it was Romana just like walking around like, oh, there's no problem. They're just spiders. And then all of a sudden it's one is like just does a a quick jump after an egg breaks open and I mean, and would it have killed them to put little bite marks on her cheek where it went? Because it looked yeah. like the spiders just crawled on her and she, like, swooned. Yeah, Here's I the other thing, though. Yeah. I, I yeah. noticed that she said it twice. She said yeah, that line that twice, which made no sense. Mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering if it was an editing issue. Oh, that was an editing yeah. Um, Because if she had only said it once at the very beginning, oh, it's only spiders, mm-hmm. that would have been okay and it would have been kind of like yeah only spiders they're like half the size of your face um or even worse but it just yeah plus if the natives are scared of those spiders you gotta think they're poisonous or something yeah no yeah all spiders are your best friends especially when they are the size of your fist well romana's don't forget romana's very scientific so she's probably just more curious than she is scared of do do, do you know that scientists usually take Cautions when they're in when they're in the field, like true, and that is a little out of friendly spiders, and they're just (laughs) friends. Yeah, true. I I going back to the beginning though. I will say that I think Decider Drake. I wish that he had a little bit better role or longer role because I think his the guy who died at the beginning, the one the the decider that passed that got sucked Uh, into those and was just like we've come full circle, Adric. Tell them. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's nice that we got the um you know the title of this episode out there really (laughs) in the episode a couple of times. It it, that was kind of obvious that they were going to do that. I think too, Mm -hmm. but it just. For one, I I felt like he was kind of like the more like a wizard like character. He just had he had all the knowledge. He knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. He 
Yeah, Wise Old Sage is a classic. Yeah, and I I, kind of liked that goes after the kid, even when they're told, he's not worth it, get back to the base. Yeah, and that's... Indeed. Although, I mean, I will say, at least Adric had the moral fiber inside him to actually try and save Drake. He was... He's... So struggling, and poor Adric has that happen yet again when, when his brother gets sucked under the door later. Yeah, on in the he story. dealt with a lot of death in this one. Yes, Adric has definitely dealt with death. Um, and then, of course, Nefred goes too. Another decider who becomes decider elite. It was decided. Yeah, I I will say that the the only costumes I thought were a little bit weird were the decider costumes. It's like, oh, good, we get to get in the most shapeless <laughs> bag of, of green, yellowish-green gook. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty, pretty awful. <laughs> it was quilted. Oh, although I did yeah, think yeah. that the, the, the whole part of, like, so they kept the knowledge secret and everything, and that was kind of intriguing, but what I really loved about it was they were like, yeah, so it turns out we've repaired the ship, but just no one knows how to fly it, so we're lying to people. <laughs> like, but it just, it seemed like, okay, I could really see how a society would, you know, get to that point and make that decision and stick with it. And, yeah, especially if it was never their ship to begin with. Yeah. Right. Well, so it just, I don't know, I thought that a lot of, like, the motivations in this seemed realistic, at least from the non-Marsh people perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, they were like, we're trying to make good decisions. Like, no one was bad. Those kids, you know, were being rebellious and talking bad about the government, and they came in and they were like, okay, well, as long as you, like, learned your lesson and you're going to be good, we're not going to punish you, you know, go... <laughs> the jo- most jo- lenient sister Join our society. Time. Like, I mean, everyone in it seemed reasonable. Like, there were no, like, evil dictators, you know? Well, except for the scientists. Dexeter was pretty... I felt he was kind of evil, because he was trying yeah, to do... He, he was... He was headstrong and wanted to make, like... He was... Uh, he didn't have any empathy for the Marsh people, but he I did. Was, I would like say amoral, people. yeah. I, yeah. I don't think he... I think his morals were a little skewed. I, I'm not saying that he was necessarily evil, but he wasn't exactly good either. Okay, yeah, he, he was middle. But, you know, there, there was no one who was just, like, extreme, which was kind of nice, refreshing. You know, there was, like, a genuine it conflict, was. but it wasn't, you know... It was a more interesting story. Well, I mean, even uh, Nefred's like, well, I, I want to trust the doctor, because I think it was um, Varsh actually asks, I believe, I think he's the one that's, that asks, uh, can we trust the doctor? Can we trust the doctor? And of course, um, Nefred's like, I, he's already proven himself. He's wise. He's, he's helping us. It would be kind of pointless for him to try and take down everything that he's building up. So... I mean, yeah, there are some decent decisions, dis- despite the fact that these deciders barely decided anything ever. There are some reasonable decisions that they make. Kind of the irony. <laughs> the irony, indeed. The irony of the name decider is just hilarious. Well, how else would you know what their job is? <laughs> I mean, really. What did you think they were going to do? Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, you could have a general and colonel and captain and all that good stuff. Although there was no yeah. captain. So. No, look, I mean, guys. George Bush could have been the president. Guys, guys, we, we, we should stop nitpicking like this. We just needed to pick a person or maybe like three people to be in charge <laughs> of making these decisions so we don't have to argue all the time. I and the rest of us can you. focus on, <laughs> on these mundane tasks that go nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of I, I do like that aspect of it is that you've got this this ship now my question is I'm guessing they built the ship originally intending to go out in the universe to find to find the planet or to, to look to I, I, th- I think someone else crash landed on the yeah, planet and they took over the ship when those people died out that could be too that could be too and then they, and that's why I thought that they were like convinced that you know, oh, this is our ship. We just don't know how to fly it. It's like things that obviously, if it was your ship, you should yeah. know these things. But, the but, but they, yeah, but I mean, they they it. kept all the knowledge locked down, and everyone just you know trusted. <laughs> the other possibility is that they actually crash landed on the planet a while ago, and then just. Things evolved. Yeah, and then maybe they crash landed and that plane evolved into mudmen or devolved into marshmen and then the marshmen evolved back. Kind of I, I don't know. They, they had specific spiders on board the, the ship when it crashed and they escaped out. Yeah, maybe they were spider people. Yeah, I mean, they should have asked the spiders. They probably knew how to fly it. Well, <laughs> the scale of the ship really isn't built for spiders of that no, size. No, they were big no. spiders, but because of the atmosphere, they had to get small. Oh. Right, okay, so, like, also, be. you know how, like, in the very beginning, they're just, like, holding the fruit up, and they're like, we think maybe there's some kind of eggs, because we see I weird mean, instinct activity, and you're sitting there going, what are you talking about, man? And then it seeds. turns out they are eggs. <laughs> I know. Okay, that to me, I mean, I figured they meant something, but when I heard them, like, I think these are AIDS, I'm like, you mean plant seeds? Like, that's all I could think of. Like, well, I originally thought that there was something inside the fruit. Well, but there is. There's spiders. Yeah. Right. So it's obviously, there must be eggs uh, inside the fruit. Is this like a fig wasp situation where the eggs are being laid in the fruits? It's not clear. I think that's the case. That's what I'm thinking too, because it looked like they were they were looking this inside. I mean, because like it did seem like it was fruit, yeah, <laughs> not an egg. Well, and they well because they were called river fruits. So. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, it also looked like a fruit. And yeah, it, yeah. And, and they did like bring them. They did. I think they brought them in to the ship also for like eating. Yeah. And then one of them broke open in the ship and had another spider in it. I think I remember. Yeah. So it was, yeah. There's a lot going on in this in this story. Yeah. What did y'all think of the outsiders, Adric's brother and the girl Kira? And what ruffians? What teenage? You know, yeah. rebellious, classic, '80s teens with bowl cuts. Yeah. I, Except for the I, curly-haired one. I, I I just was like, eh. Yeah. I mean, there there were there were. They were there. They were doing the job. Yeah, they they made it happen. Definitely had some, you know, youth spirit, you know, and added that into the episode. Was it was it R- Rysik or Tylos that was the one that saved the one guy from being It's definitely Robert. Yeah, okay. Oh. I'm sorry. I, I, I know they're there. I know they die. 
The, yeah, the one with the tea, I think, is the yeah, one that got the, the teal, stuff on his face. Yeah, the, the teal or the green colored guy, mm-hmm. save the yellow colored guy. Like, I, I prefer to, the, to like think of them as, like, you know, the different colored Power Rangers, you know, with their, you know, daggers or different colors. And, uh, I think it would be a lot yeah, easier to track Yeah, the yellow ranger, no, the... the well, speaking of daggers, that was a weird thing with the, like, the doctor's like, oh, look at this fruit. Ooh, I can't steal it. And that was funny. But then he was like, oh, let me take this knife and let me just carve off a piece of this fruit to take with me. Like, what was he his didn't, plan? He didn't, he didn't even carve it. He just, he's like, ooh, knife. Stab. And then the... Then the yeah, then it's the like, sw- what was going on, man? Mark, I mean, like, he's, he's a... I think that's a, a good way to portray a fun-loving doctor. You know, no one's around. May as well just stab this fruit. <laughs> I'm so good with children. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see what it would be like to just stab. <laughs> and then the, then the marsh creature this is kinda- just like... This guy is my god. <laughs> Sir, you dropped your knife. Teach me to use this weapon. <laughs> well, the the doctor did show the youngsters some some kindness, so I guess that's probably But that was after this, wasn't it? No, no, that was before in the swamp. He, oh, that's right. He's like, "Hello?" "Oh, I was just trying to say hello." <laughs> and then and then later on he does too. I don't know. It there are, I mean, obviously there's some inconsistencies and some mm-hmm. flubs yeah. and, f- and fails in yeah. his story as well. Mm-hmm. It, it, you it, want to share something? Oh, I'm, just, I'm disagreeing with, with everything Michael just said. <laughs> well, what, what would know. you say was a fail that we haven't mentioned yet? Do we mention the bowl cuts? Yeah. <laughs> I think we did. Yeah. We mentioned the bowl cuts already. Um, we mentioned a lot of the bad decisions making by the doctor, by Romana by the deciders um, <laughs> the deciders of the episode with uh, the K9 decision of it all <laughs> um, let me the see the acting and uh, the uh, chemistry just like issues. every other decision sorry okay. <laughs> um, I did I just talk about the entire ser- the entire sh- uh, story by now I probably I, I think yeah. we all have yeah I guess that means we're on to ratings. Okay, I go first. Okay. All right. I'm trying to think. We can't use negative numbers because it's a neg because we're in the E verse, right? We can't do that. <laughs> no. we have to. I, I was thinking like when, when give, give us the absolute value of your score. <laughs> okay, there we go. Absolute value would be uh, two. I I, I was. I only was amused by the fact that I could complain about this episode. That was the only thing I really... I mean, the music was good. The set design, great. And that's where the two points come from. Wow. But um, I, I honestly had a lot of trouble with this story. It couldn't really engage me very much. And I felt that there were so many decisions that didn't work well. Plus, Romana and the Doctor's chemistry on... Every time they're with each other, the lack of engagement between the two of them really was pulling me out. Like I, I again, the story probably had great had great legs to it if it could have been what it was probably originally intended to be. But the direction had to do a lot of heavy lifting. Plus, you you cannot do that to K nine multiple like store like. 
it was just like a couple weeks ago in my brain that he just literally got blown up by water. I can't take any more canine violence. So it lost a point for me there. Maybe two. It could have been a four of canine lead. I hear that. No one does my main man uh, canine uh, dirty. Yeah. As I like to say. So as I said, was I entertained? I was entertained about the idea of being able to complain about it. But was I entertained by the story itself? Not really. I'd like to go next. Okay. Okay. I I liked this story yeah. actually. Um, I saw that coming a mile away. But you know, I I think it was. It, I think it's a really good story that was executed poorly. Mm-hmm. You know, as Jeremy mentioned, the acting, directing. You yeah. know, that's what I'm saying. Like, Le- it- left a lot to like, be desired. But I liked the set design. I liked the concept. I liked, for the most part, the writing. And uh, you know, I, I thought it was a. It, it, it's a very different sort of story. And like they did, you know, and and it, yeah, it it was enjoyable and entertaining. Although. Um, it was flawed, so I'm going to give this one a 6 out of 10. Alright, well welcome to Colin's Corner, where Colin <laughs> the Doctor Who episode. Um, this week in Colin's Corner, we're going to give a, a shout out to our main man, Patty Kingsland, who I think was the MVP of this episode. <laughs> he came through strong with the composing, you know, in, in a really well-paired tone to, I think, everything that was going on in here. Um, so gotta throw him mad props. Um, I think a lot of what Jeremy said um, was was pretty valid here. Uh, it took me a while to really get into the story. Um, I, I, and I appreciate you know what Shelby said too because I think it's a story with a lot of potential with really poor execution. Um, you know I, I think there was decent potential to be a plot. It didn't all quite come together. Um, I, I thought the the pacing you know is probably better um, for how. Um, much like it was really hard for me to initially engage and get into it um, as well. But I thought there was good intrigue. I thought the monster of the week was interesting until they did my main man, Canine, dirty. Um, as, as, of course, no one should ever do. There's the sin of Canine being decapitated, the sin of bowl cuts, the sins of acting and chemistry in this episode. Well, to be fair, bowl cuts were a sin of the times, not so much of the... <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, okay, but that's how we started defending slavery and other things. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) Where do bowl cuts and slavery have any... Did you realize that parents forced their kids to get that kind of haircut? (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't equating the two, just the the logic of, you know, the the sins of the times. Oh my. Um, I've heard it all now. Well, you haven't heard my rating. I'm actually going to, you know, align with Shelby on this. I I, I think, you know, it, it... did have some interesting stuff in it all throughout. Um, it left me with a good concept that I could chew on, and I might be chewing on, you know, um, tomorrow as well. And I think that I drive a lot of value out of Doctor Who for that. But um, all in all, it, it is a meh. It's, it's going to be a, a 6 out of 10. Um, but, you know, depending on this roll of this 100-sided dice, I may slightly raise that. So let's see what we get. Um, that's a 37. Um, not going to be enough to tip the needle, folks. It's going to remain a 6 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a scientific method of rating. Wait, what would, it, what would you have had to have rolled for it to... <laughs> a hundred. When, when you roll the right number, you just know. <laughs> <laughs> you just know. 
Oh my. Well, okay, so this story for me, I think, kind of just falls right in the middle of everything. It's not a bad story. It's not a good story. It's just a story. It's, it's one that did feel different, probably because of the location filming, probably because of the music, probably because they actually had some more action sequences in the first episode. But... I do un- I do see the flaws of this one quite a bit, and it is slower paced um, in in many regards. I mean, repeating the same line twice just it's like whoa, wait, how did you get manage that through the editing room? Um, I just don't see didn't understand that. Um, if if it had been like one, she said it once for one episode, and then she said it again the next episode to because it was react redoing or rehashing the same scene. I could understand that, and that may be why there were two of them, because uh, it is right next to that um, episode break. But you know, just being right in the middle, I'm just going to give this a straight up five out of ten, which is right right smack dab in the middle. Mm-hmm. You can't get any more middle. I mean, it doesn't doesn't have enough to make it make me angry or, or frustrated like some of the more new who stuff and it doesn't really and it's not like boring i mean it does have some intrigue to it so yeah not probably not a lot of rewatchability though i think at the end of the day um unless you want to hate watch it i could say this is a good hate watch <laughs> no, it would be a good mystery science theater and doesn't want to and i want to say that what really makes me rank as low as i did is that I see the potential. Like, what you guys talked about and the, and the kind of, like, the positive portion of th- thinking about it, there's stuff there. I would not mind seeing this revisited with a newer cast or something, like, in some... Not, like, being a direct copy, but a revisit of this kind of thing would be fun. The problem with that statement, though, is that you've got to give credit to what is there. So if you're saying that you see potential in it because there are oh. good things about no, it... No, I gave I it mean, two points of potential... Like, no, I understand because, like, as a fan, like, I get frustrated just by things that, you know, even if they have a lot of greatness into them, like, I yeah. feel robbed at the end of the day when I can think of better solutions than the writers did, mm-hmm. you know, to how they conclude something or, you know, how something, you know, was was pulled off with me with not being a director but also being forgiven on, you know, a, a lot of direction that happens as well. I think you did that during half of the Chibnall era, so... <laughs> <laughs> I think we did did a pretty good job of doing that. Yeah, but that but that's different because that's poorly executing the plot line versus poorly executing a decent plot. True. Yeah. No, I get you there. Yeah. This. I mean, it was a decent plot. I mean, I guess reading the book would probably be easier and better. <laughs> and there is the novel. Yeah, it would take longer though. I personally recommend watching this one at one point five times the speed. I agree. <laughs> I think that would have helped. Anyway, have a good night, everyone. We'll talk to you later. Bye. 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 Bye.